of the sky. Look. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Welcome to another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I'm your host as always, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, and this is the podcast exclusively talking comic book animation. Thanks for joining us. Let me briefly explain the rules if you're new to the show. Rule number one, you know what it is, comic book animation. I just said it, pay attention. Rule number two. I'm a big fan of the old team-up books, Marvel Team-Up, Brave and the Bold, DC Comics Presents. So every week, it's a team-up podcast. Me and a special guest tackling animation third and most important, we gotta have fun. Welcome to episode 57. This is also a special episode. It is part three of our Masters of the Universe series. Without further ado, I'm gonna bring my guest... He is the He-Man super fan of our show and Ring of Honor legend. Welcome back to the multiverse, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. Yeah, you know, uh, I, you put out former on there, that cut deep, that, that really cut deep, uh, seeing that former. So I prefer ROH legend. I'm still waiting on my, uh, my legends deal from uh, Tony Khan. So I'm sure the phone's going to ring any day with Mr. Uh, with Mr. Tony. I have no doubt about it. I wasn't sure if I should do the whole intro. Uh, one half of the bouncer is the whole McGill or if, or if legend was enough. I think legend is enough. I mean, at this point, geez, I think me and the bruiser have teamed once in like the last year. So, you know. <laughs> well, welcome back to the multiverse for part three of our Masters of the Universe series. I didn't realize you haven't been on the show in uh, quite some time. It was 2021 was uh, when we reviewed the new adventures of He-Man. Yeah, I, mean, I thought that you know might have gone so poorly that uh, you also uh, fired me, just like Ring of Honor did. So <laughs> <laughs> you will always there's always a position available for Brian Malone is here in the multiverse. Well, thank you, I appreciate that. So anyone hasn't tuned in, we're doing myself and the Kingpin. He's a big Masters of the Universe fan. So we do a series where we're reviewing a five part series where we review all five different incarnations of the Masters of the Universe. Episode one, we did the original, the early 80s, Filmation He-Man. Then we came back for the first attempt at a revival, the new adventures of He-Man. that rotten piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we are traveling back to 2002 for He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Now, at this point, you're no longer a kid. So when this came out, if you can put your mindset in 2002, were you excited at the time, still interested in Masters of the Universe? Yeah, I was very excited when, uh, when this was coming out. I was all in right from the, uh, right from the start. Um, I don't even remember how I heard about it because, I mean, you're talking early days of the Internet still, but I'm sure I found out about it somewhere along those lines and um, but yeah, I, at this point, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to date myself here, but I'm, I'm like 21 ish years old in this range here. So I'm a grown ass man at this point, st- excited for a cartoon. 
So this was nearly 10 years after their first attempt at a reboot with the aforementioned The New Adventures of He-Man. Yeah, and there was always like rumors of either reboots or like a movie, which I still think has been in development now since probably before this series even even came to fruition. But yeah, it, it, it had been a bit. But the property and the the you know the IP, the intellectual property, has always remained very popular among the original fan base. And now at this point, it's a lot of guys you know my age, early twenties, early probably early to mid twenties at this point were still obsessed with it and still had a, you know, fond memories from their childhood. Well, if you take it back to the nineties, that was really the first era of the kids who grew up with, uh, with toys really started becoming collectors. Like they were the kids from the eighties and seventies. Now we're all adults and now they were collectors. So they were looking for the old star Wars figures, the masters of the universe, the superpowers, the GI Joes, the transformers. So Mattel thought, they could reach a new generation to sell toys to, as well as they could get the uh, the old fans to come back and buy the toys. Because this this no mistake about it, this was yet another attempt to sell toys. Oh no doubt, and they and they sold toys to me. Um, they absolutely sold toys to me. This was um, uh, probably my first foray, I guess, really into into collecting was this line of figures. That now, all these years later, I really regret. Uh, letting go i let you know i probably sold them um maybe you know six seven years after this series you know concluded i just kind of felt like they'd probably be worthless and like you know didn't have a sentimental attachment like i did to the childhood one so i let them go and now you know all these years later i very much regret letting them go because the toy line was was pretty solid they did a good job with it we're gonna get into the toy line a little bit more in a few minutes but uh so this cartoon was developed by uh, a Michael Halberin. Mike Young Productions did it. It was on the Cartoon Network Toonami series. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, they brought back some of the guys who had written episodes of the 83 series when they worked on this. I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise me, kind of knowing what I know about this series. And I haven't watched it, you know, beginning to end in a long time now. But th- this was much more true to the original series than that than that piece of garbage the new adventures was yeah so this is not a continuation this is an actual straight up reboot of the 1983 series uh with a mix of borrowing from that series as well as updating some of the looks and some of the backstories of the characters yeah the the the, the animation difference is strikingly uh different (laughs) and and uh, you know and i know for nostalgia purposes you know, the 83 series was cool, but big, big upgrades, I think, all around here. It ran for uh, 39 episodes. Now, uh, like I said, they uh, they wanted to run successfully as well as they want to sell toys. Now, I was looking into this. I didn't know this, but uh, there were uh, eight waves of these toys running all the way to 2007, longer than these series actually lasted. I didn't I didn't realize that either. I I had no clue that the toy this toy line ran that long. Yeah, like the last uh, wave. Well, they end up NECA, NECA. I don't know how you say it. I think it's NECA. 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 Yeah, NECA. NECA. They did NECA. the last wave from 2005 to 2007. We're going to go over that in a minute. But the original lineup of toys, because they were intending to sell toys, had He-Man, Man-at-Arms, Stratos, Beast-Man, Merman, and Skeletor. 
as well as Battle Sound He-Man and Battle Sound Skeletor. And they also released Battle Cat, Panthor. Uh, they released the Battle Hawk, the Battle Tank, the Battle Ram Chariot. And I didn't know this, but they released a Castle Grayskull playset as well. They did, yeah. Yeah, I, I strictly stuck to the figures. I, At that point in time, um, you know, uh, not doing swell financially, you know, in my early 20s. Um, so, you know, I bought what I, I bought what I could. I remember going to a lot of KB toys, especially after like the, in the waning days of this series and getting a lot of good clearance deals at uh, KB and Toys R Us on these toys. This was a Canadian production. It only lasted 39 episodes. It kind of ends not really on a cliffhanger, but it doesn't really quite, res- it's not quite resolved when they wrapped it all up. There's been some different theories on why it wasn't successful because when I looked it up and you had stated earlier, it's highly regarded as the best of all of the the reboots of He-Man. And some people even have argued that it's better than the original series. I mean, I can see that argument. I mean, I think it's geared towards a different audience too. You know, the, the 83 He-Man series is very much geared towards younger kids. There's not a lot of complex storylines going on uh, other than just the continuation of the eternal battle of He-Man and Skeletor, it's not like there's like a running thread that you have to follow in that original series. This is the first time really you're seeing He-Man in this form with, you know, looking back at the original series, but like in kind of an episodic formula that there are threads, there's continuations, there's, you know, there's arcs. I feel like this is probably a show that was, I mean, obviously geared towards collectors and, um, those of us that were fans of the original series, but probably geared more towards like, like older kids, you know, like, you know, starting to get like 10, 11, 12 years old, like that range. Now, um, a couple of rumors when I was looking into this of the reason, the cancellation, I'm going to run these by you and you can tell me what you think. Some people argued that it was just low ratings. Some people argued that cartoon network, it wasn't a cartoon network original produced show so they didn't put as much marketing behind it as they could have which ended up its cancellation and the third theory which i think is to me sounds the most plausible it just mattel wasn't happy it wasn't selling the toys that they thought it was going to sell i mean is it possible that it's a combination of the three because i don't i don't think yeah yeah. certainly possible i don't think a lot of people watched it uh the toy line again i i was able to get so many of them Again, I mean, you're talking early 20s. I'm probably making 13, 14 bucks an hour at this point if I was lucky. And I was able to get a lot of this stuff on on clearance. And this stuff was in abundance. And these are, it's so weird now. I mean, you you know, there's no more toy stores anymore. And at that point, we had multiple toy stores to go to. These things were in abundance on the shelves. Like, you you didn't have trouble finding them. It It wasn't a super high demand. The la- I just looked it up. And the last lineup of figures they did had Snout Spout. A- they had King Randor, but he was a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. Clawful, Hordak, Clamp Champ, Stinkor, Grizzlor. They- another version of the Sorceress. An Evil Illin Classic Deco, which was an- another Comic-Con exclusive. Uh, they had a Battle Armor He-Man. Um, and they also had another He-Man classic, which was an exclusive for the Comic-Con. Yeah, well, so, NECA's more like 
the Mattel lines are more, you know, those are like toys to play with. That NECA line is really high-end, high articulation, lots of detail. Like these NECA figures that are being produced, they, I mean, NECA produces a lot of stuff today. They're not really toys to be played with. These are for collectors and to be displayed. I think that's probably why that continued on in the form it did, because uh, they, they geared it probably lower lower production numbers, but really detailed, articulated, you know, souped up figures that collectors are going to pay, you know, at that juncture you're talking about, you know, now, now you pay, you know, 25, 30, 40 bucks for these NECA figures. But at that point, you know, when action figures are probably still under $10, you know, probably you're probably paying 25, 30 bucks a pop for these things. I am curious. Um, if there was another toy line that I don't remember at the time that was more kids were buying or if just kids in 2002 weren't buying comic books as much. I mean, not comic books, action figures. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's a weird... I don't know. I feel like, you know, it's, it's funny. When you think about the original He-Man, it was very much geared towards younger children um, who were going to be playing with toys. And, and this series, you know, I feel like this is probably geared towards older kids. And I don't, I don't know when most kids crap out of toys but i was like 10 11 years old so even if you're 10 11 years old you know watching this this series um you may not want to necessarily go out and buy the action figures you might just like the series that is definitely a possibility now some uh differences for this version of the show um cringer does not speak on this version of uh masters of the universe just makes cat sounds and roars, but he never actually speaks in this version. Uh, I, you know, I didn't quite fully remember that, but I knew he didn't speak in this episode. So, I'm gonna spoilers in case you've never seen any episodes of this uh, cartoon from the early 2000s. Another thing, this was the first time they actually kind of came up with a logical reason uh, for the existence of uh, Prince Adam. You know, a lot of the complaints was why is he Prince Adam and he looks exactly the same, like. This explanation is there's a distinct physical difference between Prince Adam and He-Man, unlike the original series. Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's there's the physical difference, but also, I think in the original series, Adam was kind of a goof as like a disguise. Adam was pretty smart. Adam and he, the difference between Adam and He-Man are not striking in the other series. It's just people don't realize they're one and the same. Where this, like... Um, he, there's some person, and we'll get into it as we're talking about the episode, obviously. But there's there's distinct personality differences between Adam and and He Man in this one. Yeah, and they're basically like saying, well, Skeletor would he would tear Prince Adam a new one because he's just a scrawny normal guy. But when yeah. he becomes the most powerful man in the universe, now it's like a Hulk, Bruce Banner, or Thor, Donald Blake, you know, where he's actually becoming this big powerful man. So it's not like he's trying to protect Tila and his parents and all that. It's just that, you know, they have to keep it a secret from Skeletor. Otherwise, Skeletor is just going to sneak up on him when he's Prince Adam and kill him one, two, three. <laughs> the other thing I think it's cool about this is with the original series, you're just, you just get plopped smack dab in the middle of the story. You don't know where anybody came from, how they got to those points. And, and this is the first real, like, at least on, you know, I, th- I think it, there probably was some origin stuff in the comics. Um, but um, this is the first real on television, the origin story of He-Man and Skeletor and how that all began and played out. And I believe, uh, and I could be wrong, but uh, this was the first appearance of Hordak interacting with He-Man instead of being 
She-Ra's main adversary. Yeah, I think at the at the end of season one and going into season two, they kind of split to like the Snake Men. I, I want to say that the the second season is all about the Snake Men. I, I, I want to say those are yeah, cool I'm, figures, by the way. Those are cool yeah. figures. <laughs> I agree, definitely. <laughs> now, all right, so we're going back to August sixteenth, two thousand two, the beginning, part one. Uh, almost twenty years. It's almost crazy. twenty almost years. Almost to the day. It's it's like it's nineteen years and ten months. Uh, hard to believe that. Where where have the two thousands gone? We're old, man. We are old. <laughs> <laughs> I was. It did not. It did not. By the way, I wanted to just put this out there. This series did not predate my wrestling career. I, I am already an active professional wrestler when this when this series debuts. So, All right, so you you already <laughs> stepped into the squared circle by by two thousand two August sixteenth. Oh yeah, yeah. I was in full swing at that point. So uh, Dean Stefan was the writer of this episode. It's directed by a Gary Hardy, who actually directed every episode. Barry Hardy? Gary Barry Hardy. Hardy? Is, that, is that what you said? Gary Barry Hardy? Hardy. H-A-R-T-I-E. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they did keep the PSAs, the, uh, even though they're kind of bizarre on this version, but the, they, did, they did keep the PSA messages at the end of the episodes. <laughs> Which is weird for this time period for this time period and some of them are weird like i remember one where like there's a dragon like chasing orca and then like he-man's like well the dragon's chasing orca but uh setting fires is no joke <laughs> it's uh it's orco um go i'm sorry. he's not a whale tarzan he's a he's a he's a wizard of some sort <laughs> yeah orco that's why hey, you're orco, the uh, if you will that's why you're the the masters of the universe expert to not let me get away with things like that I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm surprised they didn't have some sort of like Orca Man or something like that. You know, (laughs) I'm surprised there wasn't a whale character in uh, He-Man at some point. You would think that, yeah, that would like well, maybe because of those, uh, maybe Street Sharks had come out at that point, so they thought it would be too similar. (laughs) Yeah, I think Street Sharks was like was that early '90s? I think so. (laughs) So there's a lot of characters, so we're not gonna we're gonna go over some of the voice work, but not everyone. He-Man. Is voiced by uh, Cam Clark, who has uh, done a lot of voices, but the most famously known for he was the voice of Leonardo and Rocksteady on the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Interesting, good, big, big credits for this guy. Heinz played some iconic uh, cartoon characters, and I believe he comes back for one of the Turtles reboots. But I think he voices a different character, oddly enough. I, I, that happens. I feel like a decent amount, and it, weir- it weirds me out. Skeletor, he's voiced by a Brian Dobson, who's uh, most of his career has been voice work. He's done the thing on the on the later Fantastic Four cartoons. He was on My Little Pony. Uh, he also did a uh, Red Alert on the later uh, Transformers cartoons, not the original, but when they brought him back in the late nineties, early two thousands. Tila was voiced by Elisa Ann Belay. Um, she's known mostly for uh, anime dubs. But uh, in the world of comic books, she was on the X-Men Evolution cartoon, and she voiced Madame Hydra. If you notice a theme, uh, voice actors tend to really get a lot of work between animation and live action and whatnot. There's a, you see a lot of the same names over and over again. I, I got to get in on that. I got to I gotta, I gotta try to voice some stuff. These people make bank. Uh, well, I don't know about bank. I'd say maybe the, the guys who voice in The Simpsons maybe make bank. I don't know if the guys voice in the He-Man or X-Men Evolution, how much money they're making. <laughs> well, hopefully they're making a lot. 
Man at Arms. He's voiced by a Gary Chalk. Uh, he's been a voice actor as well as a, in front of the camera actor. He's uh, He voiced Optimus Prime in a lot of the 90s uh, Transformers cartoons. I believe Beast Wars and some of the other ones. And he played Colonel Chekhov on the live action Stargate SG-1 as well. Uh, we have Orko, voiced by Gabe Noth. Comic Connection, X-Men Evolution as well. He voiced Arcade, the bad guy. And uh, we have also the Sorceress, voiced by Nicole Oliver, whose most famous claim to fame is Princess Celestia on My Little Pony. All right. Well, that's quite the claim to fame. <laughs> I mean, there's so many characters that show up. Trapjaw, Clawful, King Randor, but there's just too many people to list everybody. So I kind of just... Uh, Grab some of the some of the main players, if you will, some of the heavy hitters. Yeah, they really give you the. I mean, it's true to the series. They they really bring back and like. I'm sure we'll get into it in this episode, but they really load up this first episode with a lot of characters that they weren't holding very many back to to, to bring out in future episodes. They certainly do not. Without note, myself and Brian, we are going to watch. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, The Beginning, Part 1. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll We'll be be right right back. He has come to enslave Eternia. I am Skeletor, overlord of evil. His power knows no limits. Have you the faintest inkling to whom you speak? His hordes will stop at nothing. Unfortunately... They don't stand a chance. I believe I'm going to gag. Catch He-Man five days a week. Masters of the Universe. Weekdays at five. Only Toonami. He-Man, He-Man. Who's the big guy with the muscles? Here's He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. Skeletor is his enemy. He-Man, He-Man. If He-Man, Skeletor, and Castle Grayskull, you have to put the castle together. You're doomed, He-Man. Oh, yeah? Watch this action, Dad. Now I have the power. He-Man and Skeletor each sold separately. Castle Grayskull also sold separately from the Masters of the Universe collection from Mattel. In his mighty fortress, Prince Adam transforms into He-Man. I have the power! And now it's He-Man versus the evil Skeletor. Skeletor alone is no match for He-Man. But there's the ferocious fangs of Panthor. Scratch that, He-Man's got Battle Cat. Now it's a fight with bite and a mass of missiles. That was close, but He-Man's mighty sword is closer. So long, Skeletor. New He-Man, Skeletor, Battle Cat, and Panther figures each sold separately. Meanwhile, behind the facade of this innocent-looking podcast... I am Adam, Prince of Eternia, defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous... back and we just watched he-man and the masters of the universe the beginning part one uh not really a spoiler but re-watching it now that i re-watched it i think this kind of worked better as like the 90 minute movie and not broken into the three parts 
Yeah, you made me feel like I was taking like half a piss here. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I believe it aired originally as a one big episode. And then when they started rerunning it, they broke it into the three parts. Yeah, that sounds about right. It was not easy to find, by the way. I At one point, fairly recently, I had started watching a few of the early episodes because um, I was uh, I was watching it with the kiddos, and it, they were in abundance. So I don't know if they're getting ready to bring this out on, on digital or something, because it's, it really is. It's not on digital. It was released on DVD like years ago, but never on digital. Um, but they, they are cleaning up. Uh, quite a bit on on YouTube with these episodes. You make a valid point about tracking these down, and um, I don't know if you noticed this or not. Maybe you had the same problem I had. I kept finding it, and then I would go to watch it, and it would tell me <laughs> yeah. it was episode one, but then it kept taking me yeah. to episode seven for some reason. Yeah, it was like the Shadow Beast. Yes, the Shadow <laughs> Beast. Yeah. I was I in true Tarzan fashion. I was ready to. Just obliterate my remote control uh, for my television um, after about the fifth time it happened. Um, but then I was able to find it on on Daily Motion. So, <laughs> yeah, I finally tracked it down. But I, I, and it was weird when I found it. They had it broken into four parts. So, like, you'd watch, and the first part is half of part one, and then the second part is half of part one and half of part two. It was really bizarre how much work it took <laughs> me to find this episode. Uh, I just finally found it on Daily Motion. It was the the original episode. <laughs> I should have told you, buddy. So we open a giant tower. And there's Captain Randor at that point, and all of his uh, sidekicks, like uh, Ram Man is one of them. Stratos is one of them. Yeah, Man Stratos, Mechanic. Yeah, it's like it's funny that uh, you know He Man's crew is uh, in this series right from the beginning. They're Randor's crew, so. Um, I don't remember what does the original lineup is King Randor have a figure? Yeah, King Randor does have a figure, and and I and I know this because I was so excited to find this figure. Uh, it was at a department store in Merrimack, New Hampshire, that was like pretty close to Zyla's. I don't remember the name of the. I don't know if it was like a Woolworth or something like that. And I remember just losing my mind because in those days, kids, you didn't always know the figures that were coming out. You couldn't just look and see on the internet what was the next wave of figures coming out. So you kind of started to know. Uh, what was out when there was new stuff in the stores you'd stumble upon it so that was a very very happy day in my uh, in my childhood finding king randors with my mom and my grandmother <laughs> i think the most excited i was is when i found uh when manny faces came out that was the one that i got excited about when i found it great figure but i've said it before previous episodes for whatever reason Buzz off must have had a hundred copies on every toy store in the goddamn country. <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's very similar right now. Um, Buzz off's wave is is in stores and is in uh, him and Jitsu are in in large abundance on toy shelves right now in Target and Walmart. So if you're if you're a big Jitsu or Buzz off fan, you're not gonna have any problem finding them right now in Walmart and Target. <laughs> So Kalor, he talks to the, uh, the council of wisdom where he says, I believe it's Kaldor that's moving on to the capital. So I guess that's Skeletor's real name. Yeah. This is starting. You're finally getting like the little bit of the origin story of where Skeletor came from. He didn't just, he wasn't just born a baby skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> the, the council of wisdom, they are confident 
that not only will uh, Randor beat him, but he's going to be the king of Eternia when all is said and done. Well, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, he's humble. He says he's just a captain. Very George Washington-like, huh? <laughs> now, um, the evil guys show up, and there's Kaldor, who will be Skeletor, but he's got a blue face with a nice stash and goatee going on. I'd say he kind of looks like a blue Prince Nammer from the uh, the Marvel comic books. I'm not familiar with that character. I don't. What's what's the uh, Michael Keaton gif? I don't. I don't understand the reference. <laughs> 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 yeah, he looks very sinister. He looks very. I have You know, weirdly enough, I think he looks a little snidely whiplashish. You know. <laughs> and um, he's accompanied by Beast Man. Uh, I believe. Uh, uh, trap jaws there. So, so it's 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 so they don't acknowledge it, and I don't remember if they acknowledge it later on. So it is what will become Trap Jaw, but he's Kronos in this form. They actually release a two pack um, for the Origins, um, you know, toy line that's out in stores now, and it's Keldor and Kronos, you know. So, but I know I picked up on that. I was like, oh, he's not Trap Jaw yet here. But they don't, like, acknowledge it for some reason. No, and on this episode, they don't ever explain how he becomes Trapjaw. No, he's just, later on, he's just Trapjaw. So it's, and I don't know if they get into that later on, but I thought that was interesting. So the the council vanishes. Big fight with uh, everybody. Skeletor and uh, Randor have a fight. Were those the two swords of power that Skeletor had, or they just kind of look like it? I was a little, I wasn't, I wasn't certain. I, I'm not. I'm actually not entirely sure of where, where the lore goes with it, but it's definitely a nod towards the two sides of the sword. But I don't know if that's what becomes He-Man's power sword again. It's been a while since I've seen this since I've seen this series, and we only got to watch one third of the entire <laughs> opening arc. So, uh, <laughs> guess, what I, guess what I'm doing after we record tonight? <laughs> watch uh, parts two and three. No, I'm going to watch Stranger Things, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Beastman's riding a giant griffin. Finally, uh, Randor defeats Skeletor. He's going to arrest him, but he, he tries to throw acid in his face, which Randor blocks, and the acid hits Skeletor right in the face. I say very much like, um, I thought it was very much it was similar, not exact, but to the origin of the, the Joker in the Keaton Batman movies. Yeah, it's some of the old you made me type of uh, origin going on there. Mm-hmm. They all manage. All the bad guys manage to escape. The council is gone, but the sorcerer. You hear the voice of the sorceress telling Randor that peace will come for a time, but then a hero will emerge to save the day. Whoever will it be? <laughs> <laughs> we switch to modern day where uh, they do this all the time in fiction, where they reference a person but not by name. And then they switch to a scene of that person. Is anybody ever fooled into thinking that this isn't the person they're referring to? <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, the literally the freaking name of the series is He Man and the Masters of the Universe. So, although I guess I mean I don't know if you don't know the history of it, if you're just stumbling upon this, you know, maybe maybe you don't know. Maybe you're just a kid watching this for the first time because it looked interesting and. You've never even heard of these of these characters. It's like the Phantom Menace when Mace Windu says how. Uh, who was destroyed? The 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 apprentice of the master, and then they turned the cam the camera over uh, Senator Palpatine. <laughs> I'm like, 
it's sadly, I know people that say they didn't know that was the emperor, which I, I think is a crazy thought. How would you, it's literally the same actor. Well, the, the replacement <laughs> actor, I guess, but <laughs> I guess without all the makeup from return of the Jedi, I don't know. So, uh, Adam's training with Tila, uh, kind of getting his butt kicked. She, uh, she feels a little bad cause she's kicking his ass on his birthday. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I don't, I mean, and we won't get too deep into it, but some of the complaints I've seen online were they changed He Man too much and made the female characters too strong on the new one. And it's like, no, they, she's always been a strong character. She's a strong character in the original. She's a strong character in, in this one, too. We find out he turned 16. The only, Teal is kind of yeah, the what's same. What's up with that? 16, right? 16, like, what yeah. the hell? He becomes He Man at 16. This is like the weird. Um, you know, and I know like, you know, the old Hans Christian Anderson fables that all the Disney movies are based off of all the girls were like 15 or 16, but like, can we change this shit for like modern times, please? Like, can we make them grown ass people before we're sending them off to war? please? Tila is kind of the same design, except she has a long like ponytail and she looks a little smaller to me than she did in the original series. Yeah. Just in general, I think everything is like. It's familiar but updated. Like the, everybody looks familiar but updated, which I which I think is why it resonated so well with a lot of people. Like you know, the, at least like the you know the the people who love the original series because it wasn't even though it was a reboot, it wasn't like they took it, put it in a blender, and came up with something different. Everything felt familiar but updated, which was great. They get into a fight on these floating discs where uh, he's not paying attention. He crashes into a statue. Almost gets killed, but uh, Stratos uh, saves him before he dies. What a nice guy. I don't know if you notice, and Cringer's doing the old I can't look bit where he covers his eyes because <laughs> he doesn't want to see He-Man get killed. Or Adam, I should say. <laughs> yes, not He-Man yet. Not He-Man yet. Man-in-Arms, he's kind of upset because he doesn't feel Adam's taking the training all that seriously. And uh, he says that it doesn't matter because uh, the forces of evil are history. And man in arms um, says very ominous. I can't even say the word. Uh, ominously. Ominously. He says perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who listens to the show more than once, I, I am the absolute worst when it comes to pronunciation. <laughs> so we go. We switch to a big volcanic desert where there's all these volcanoes, and we get. I gotta say, a pretty awesome shot of Snake Mountain in this scene. Yeah, it looks absolutely badass. Like the, the animation on this in general is just, I think, is real good. But yeah, Snake Mountain looks awesome. And uh, it's a gathering of Beastman, Trapdaw, Triclops, Evil Lynn, where Skeletor has called them all back together. Which he has this big device that is the key to success. It's a device that's going to crack the Mystic Wall. So they don't really tell you this at first, but. The part of Eternia they're at, there's a giant mystical wall, like the wall in Game of Thrones, that's keeping the bad guys out of the rest of Eternia. He says that uh, it's not, to complete it, he needs, I think it's the the Coronite crystal from the deepest parts of the Sea of Rakesh, or Rakash, I'm not sure how you say it. Yeah, all of this is great, too. All of this is, I love it, because again, it, it feels familiar. Um, you know, and almost like, I feel like in a small way, it's almost like a little nod to um, the diamond ray of disappearance. You know, Skeletor's on his quest to find some object, or has one of his henchmen on their wall to find an object to help him uh, dominate Eternia. Now, the voice of Skeletor 
It's not exact, but it sounds very similar to the tone of the original. And there's two trains of thought. Some people think that's great because it kind of honors the original series. Some people feel that it prevented them from taking Skeletor seriously. What do you stand on that? I thought it was great. I, I, I thought it was great. He sounded like Skeletor. I think Skeletor should sound like Skeletor. I, I can, I just think at that point that that voice of Skeletor is so iconic. I, I just don't think they could stray away from it too much with a reboot. Yeah, I feel like people would have been pissed off if they went too far away from it too. I think they would have been damned if you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> so Merman shows up with the uh, the crystal, which Skeletor kind of gives him the the look because it's kind of gross because he came out of a lava pit. So he wipes it off on uh, Beastman's fur. I love this. I, I I audibly laughed out, legitimately laughed out loud. Um, and it felt again. I, I what I loved about this episode is, while feeling very modern for the time, uh, I think it still holds up today. By the way, I think it, it was this was really good. I, I do want to go back and watch this, but like, there's still some of that slapstick silliness that the original series had. So I, I liked that. I got a kick out of him wiping it off on on Beastman. It had the. Uh, it even had like the. Um, the sound effect, like the squeaky clean. <laughs> I think that's what did it for me. It was very slapstick, yeah, and I loved it. The sound of like, you know, the, uh, uh, like he's wiping it off. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> Skeletor is going to harness the power of Eternia when we get our first of many Skeletor he- heel laughs. You love a good heel laugh. I do love a good heel laugh. I wish I could imitate it, but... Uh, Skeletor, he- nod back to the... Uh, to the WPAN is, I mean, Skeletor is, a, is probably, you know, the heel laugh Hall of Famer. Like, he's like, you know, he's like Babe Ruth in the uh, in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, I forgot to mention the Kingpin, Brian Malonis, Ring of Honor legend, one half of the bouncers, and former co-host of the wrestling podcast about nothing. <laughs> well, yeah, former indeed. So then we go back to the party, and there's Orko playing a lot of instruments at once, really badly. Again, very, very much like the original series. I I thought it was great. It made me laugh. Which uh, he's giving Rayman tells him to stop because he's getting a splitting headache. Now I've been very critical of sidekicks, goofy comedic sidekicks, dumb animals on cartoons, but I love Orko. Huge fan of Orko. I was just at a flea market where there was a. I found an Orko in perfect condition, but he was missing the hat, and I was so upset. Oh, well, that's not really perfect condition then, is it? <laughs> yes, but I mean, the rest of the figure wasn't like, the paint wasn't chipped. He wasn't all faded or beat up. He looked great. He just, the hat was missing. Yeah, I mean, if you can get a good price on any of those at this point, that, that original series is just in, insane prices right now. I have, the only two figures I have are Clawful and Triclops, and they're both in great shape. Uh, so I don't have any. I have none of the original. That's That's my dream like um series to go back and and collect but uh i want to collect them too but every time i find one they're either in shit shape or the guy's asking for too much money yeah i mean i want to go hard in. i want to go I mean, we don't have to get into it now but i want to go i want like mint on card type collection so that's the dream that's the dream so orco comments that ram man is is not a music lover so he's gonna do something with a little more pizzazz he's gonna do a magic trick where uh, he sure is <laughs> <laughs> which he basically blows up a giant thing of pudding 
<laughs> and this is where you get like the uh, the first like real like cat sound of uh, <laughs> of, cringer. of cringer. Yeah, <laughs> like the the the, the high pitch, you know. Row! And he makes like a great like terrified face when the, when it explodes. <laughs> it's a uh, tapioca pudding, which uh, Orko licks off himself. What a great scene. What a great little, it's just like that little comic relief, silly slapstick stuff. And I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, Randor is pretty upset because Adam is not at the party, um, which his mother tries to make an excuse that he's, he's late because he's getting all dolled up. Randor's kind of a prick, by the way. There's a few, there's a few instances <laughs> here. There's, there's one, and I don't know if it's like right here or a little later on. Like, like their servant who just looks like he's dressed like a, you know, like a homeless person. Like they, they like they didn't give me the feeling that these are the baby faces, by the way. <laughs> like he just, he's bringing them all, him and him and the queen over wine, and he just like shoes them away, just like a hand gesture. I was like, what a prick! What an absolute prick, King Randor is. So uh, Tila found him. He was taking a nap, and when he shows up, he gets a big pop at the party, though. No, well, good. They got to kiss his ass. And like you just pointed out, Randor is not amused by the the, the pop nor the nap. <laughs> no, he's not. He's a prick. Then we go back to uh, they've activated the device on the uh, Mystic Wall where uh, Triclops has to tell Clawful to pull, turn it on. That's why it wasn't working. And, uh, it's just a crack in the wall at first, but uh, Skeletor explains that's where they know where they're going to apply pressure. Uh, and we trap jaw tries to break it first with little success. And then uh, Evil Lynn is going to cast a spell where she says, May this world turn to dust. Its utter destruction is an absolute must. Well, you forgot about you forgot about it. It's, an, it's actually a pretty interesting little, I'll call it like a subplot or whatever. You, uh, Beastman coming along with like a rhinoceros of, of some oh. sort. <laughs> <laughs> but he seems to so it, it, they they're clearly establishing that Beastman has some sort of connection or power with like animals because he has the, yeah, he, the, the griffin now he has with, like yeah beast. yeah that's pretty cool that's I don't remember that happening in the original series unless I am just misremembering or forgetting something but I thought that was pretty cool establishing right from the very beginning that he has that sort of like power it makes the name Beastman actually have a little more sense. I mean, he looks like a beast. Finally, Skeletor with his staff blasts open the mystic wall. It is just like destroyed, which he, of course, that <laughs> comes gets down laugh. on all of them. Yeah, comes yeah. down on all of them. <laughs> he laughs before it happens, but then it comes down on all of them. Back to the party in Manny Faces and uh, Orko, they're putting on a little show, a little play, little mock uh, dueling swords. They need a volunteer, and Adam volunteers Tila to be the princess in this production. No, she is not a damsel. No, she <laughs> twists his arm and says, I am not a damsel in distress. <laughs> then uh, Man-at-Arms gets a message, a telepathic message from the sorceress. I thought this was like a little, I don't know, like uh he has to like step away from the party and put his uh, he, like put his hand up like or a uh, finger up like on his ear like when people sing like in American Idol and they do that you know like the, I was I thought that, I was just like what the hell <laughs> and uh, he pulls Adam aside to say that uh, he's got to accompany him to Castle Grayskull. 
And uh, Adam says a line about Castle Grayskull being a broken down old castle. I mean, he's not he's not wrong. He's not wrong. No, he's not. <laughs> At that point, he would have, to him, Castle Grayskull means nothing. But he figures this must be a special birthday surprise. <laughs> yeah, th- and this is where, like, this is where, like, a lot of this, too. Like, um, again, I think the stuff of Prince Adam in the original series was, like, it was, like, a put-on to throw people off, where... In this series, Adam is really just like an aloof sixteen-year-old kind of dumbass kid who's self, who's very self-centered and spoiled. Doesn't seem to uh, take so anything a, serious. Yeah, a big change uh, from from the original series. Not just an appearance, but uh, also attitude. I don't know about you, but I always get taken to creepy abandoned castles for my birthday surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Only if we're lucky. <laughs> So uh, then we find out Skeletor is attacking some locals. He can't understand where the, the Hall of Wisdom has vanished. They said that it vanished years ago along with the Council of Wisdom. Which he knows. He was there when they disappeared. <laughs> like, I get not knowing like where the Call of Wisdom went, but he was there when the Council disappeared. <laughs> he says he's going to find them no matter where they are in Eternia. <laughs> and then we go back to the party where Adam... Randor is going to offer a toast to Adam, but then he realizes Adam ain't there anymore, and he's once again very un- unimpressed. And we switch to our first shot of Castle Grayskull, which looks pretty awesome. Yeah. It's slightly different. Yeah, definitely differences, but again, very, very cool. Uh, I thought it looked great. Like, I'd say this one looks more like a structure, like a castle, and the original one felt more like a a living thing almost that was like in the shape of a castle. Yeah. Which I think if you listen to the original like animator of it or the original, uh, the guy who created it, like that was sort of, I think the intent, uh, where this is definitely, you know, a structure, a castle, but it, it looks awesome. The place that was pretty awesome too, by the way. Yes, for sure. Now, Adam thinks it could use a coat of paint. Oh, Adam. And then comes down comes the drawbridge. I mean, can you blame him for being this way? His his dad is a complete asshole and hates him. So, uh, <laughs> um, they walk through, and this is the first time you kind of get. Well, maybe not the first time, but I don't remember too many times. You kind of get a, a a lot of the hallways and a lot of the structures of the inside of Castle Grayskull, where it looks like it's been abandoned. Yeah, it's definitely more of like yeah. There's more detail where I think the times you see Castle Grayskull on the original series, it's. It's like it's a big room. Um, but then you get into the throne room, which looks like amazing. There's a giant like golden throne, and it's like, this is pretty dang impressive. We get our first glimpse of the sorceress, who she looks a little bit more like she's from Egyptian culture in this version, unless bird Yeah, ayo, ayo, huh? <laughs> sorceress coming in hot here. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't look as much like the bird version as she was in the original. No, not a, not at all. Yeah, she's very like the like the, whatever her bodysuit or whatever is doesn't look anything like the like the bird version. She's the most changed from the original series. Um, Adam makes a comment about how next year he's uh, going to get her an invitation to his birthday party, and uh, <laughs> he doesn't have time for this. He's going to head back to the party. Smug little prick. Then. She gives the whole backstory. We find out about the Mystic Wall, how her and Man-at-Arms constructed it to keep Skeletor's hordes on the other side. 
we find out how the council transformed themselves into the magical orb that she is the guardian of. And she knows that she's holding it until a hero would emerge and he'll be transformed into He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. There it is. But Adam thinks she's just making jokes and kidding and he <laughs> he's like, that mystic wall, we use that for target practice. We can't even make a dent. What are you worried about? So uh, he's not taking this serious at all. And then we get the big cliffhanger. Prince Adam's flying away back to his castle. And when the castle comes under the horizon, we see smoke emerging and the castle has been attacked. And then we get to be continued. <laughs> yes, which upset me greatly. Upset me greatly. I, I, we're going to get into that in a minute, but I agree. But there you have it. He-Man and the Masters Universe, the beginning part one. Yeah, I almost texted you and said, all right, hell, that we're watching part one and part two because I was so upset that it ended before he actually had turned into He-Man. So we're doing a review of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe on an episode that didn't contain He-Man. It's quite, quite an operation you're running here. Yeah. Well, you know, I go into it you know, picking out a certain thing, we're going to watch it regardless of what happens. Some of these I've seen before, some I've not. So sometimes we're pleasantly surprised. I don't know if unpleasantly surprised would be the word, but uh, I, we're not as much angry as we are disappointed. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I've seen it. It's, I mean, it's good stuff. This is all good stuff. This is, uh, I'm, I'm very much the opposite of how I felt um, after the last episode. Yeah, you were merciless on the new adventures of He-Man. Because it wasn't He Man. It's a piece of shit. Like that, that needs to be wiped from history. <laughs> like, can we do like a Mandela effect where like somebody, whatever you know, these time travelers like to go back and do these weird things like Bernstein Bears and stuff? Can they just wipe like <laughs> New Adventures of He Man from existence? And uh, that's what I would do if I was a time traveler and wanted to screw with things. I would. That's what I would do. We're gonna jump right into our spectrometer. Anyone new to the show, Spectrometers, where we review what we just saw. Zero Spectros being uh, absolute crap. Four Spectros being perfection. Uh, you still hold the record, Brian, for you've given the only Zero Spectro ever for the new adventures of He-Man. <laughs> How are you going to rank He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, beginning part one? Can we do halves? Like, Can I go three and a half? You can do three and a half. Yeah, halves are acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, I would like, to, you know, it's not perfection, but it's, but it's pretty damn good. Like three and a half Spectros. I, I think this series had so much potential. It's, it's really a shame that um, fans at that time didn't get behind it. Um, and it could have lasted a few more seasons, but uh, I mean, you get the, you get the kind of beginnings of it here. It, it's, it's really well done. And I've said it a few times. I'll say it again. What made this really, you know, what really great What what I loved about it was, there were nods and respect paid to the original series while updating looks and updating kind of material um, and making it come of age a little bit. So I thought uh, job, job well done on this episode and, and really like this entire series, like it's, it's, it's worth a watch if you're even a casual sort of He-Man fan, or even if you're not a He-Man fan, it's a good series. Like go back and watch it. It holds up today. Well, if I was going to rank the entire series, 
I'm giving it four Spectros, but we're only ranking the one episode. So I also am going to go three and a half with my only complaint being is we didn't actually get to see He-Man. So I have to take <laughs> half a Spectro off. That's yeah. That's why, that's why I went uh, three and a half because we didn't, we didn't actually see He-Man in this, in this episode, which if you watch it in its original form, the full length sort of movie, you do get that, but uh, standalone. Yeah. You don't get He-Man in the first episode of something called He-Man, the masters of the universe, which, you know, that's why I said it's not perfection, but it's but it's pretty damn good. But animation, top notch. Um, the voice acting is great. Um, the way they update, but they don't completely change everybody is perfect. It's a great setup with the origins of everything. If I had any kind of critique at all, other than He-Man not showing up, is I, I think the music's a little forgettable, especially compared to the original series. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. I don't. I couldn't tell you. The uh, I mean the the opening is the opening is, song is great, but the like the boom, score boom 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 yeah boom. but yeah, like he, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the score yeah. itself is 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 a little lackluster. Yeah, I agree. There's not one piece of it that I could that I remember. Where in the original series, it's that bum 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 bum. You know, you you know, yeah. or or like you know when he's in danger, you know, you know what that sounds like. It's uh, yeah, they did a good job. I'm telling you, I I love this. The toy line was good too um it's a shame it didn't it didn't hook on it didn't hook on more it really is but um everything looks so cool too like the animation is great and you can see like the animation is you know what they did for revelation was directly stolen from from this series what did you think out there did you like he man in the master's universe more than me and brian you couldn't have liked him too much more than we did did you like it less if you did that's okay no judgment here whole point of having guests is so we get different opinions if you didn't like it, though, I, w- I would love you to go to my uh, social media or Brian's and let us know what you didn't like about it. I'm very curious. You can find me at Twitter at Matt Spectro. I'm at Facebook, Matt Spectro through the multiverse. While you're there, follow me, like me, and give me your two cents on Masters of the Universe. We also discuss, and uh, this is especially appropriate in your uh, case, if a child in 2022 comes across He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, what do you think? They're going to enjoy it? Yeah, I think so. I think the animation is good. It's a modern style of animation. It holds up unlike the original 80s series. Like, I don't think kids would enjoy that. We talked about that. But yeah, I think so. Uh, and, and I mean, firsthand experience. Uh, my kids have uh, both sat down and watched, um, you know, a few episodes of this with me. So uh, absolutely. I think if a kid stumbled upon this and uh, hopefully they throw it out there on digital so kids can stumble upon it. I agree. I think most kids who, if they're into this, you know, fantasy and this type of stuff, I definitely think they're going to enjoy He-Man and the Masses of the Universe. But what do you think is, again, tell us what you think. I want to hear from you. Thanks for listening as well. If you could also uh, uh, subscribe to my podcast and share it, I appreciate it as well. And maybe give me a five-star review. Brian, I want to thank you for joining us. Um, always a pleasure to have you here in uh, our He-Man series. We haven't picked a date yet, but you're not going to want to miss part four as myself and Brian discuss the most controversial Masters of the Universe in history, Masters of the Universe revelation when we, is it going to be our fourth episode? Yeah, we got two left. We got two, two left of this. Uh, so we'll see how, we'll see how that goes. Uh, as always, uh, all my guests, I offer free plug time. I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. I don't know if you got something going on. I'm assuming you do. So right now the floor is yours. Plug everything and anything you want to plug. Yeah. You know, I mean, Hey, you know, my schedule is what my schedule is right now uh, with wrestling, 
not to reveal too much or sound too ominous, but, uh, you know, I don't really have a lot going on. I have a couple bookings coming up over the summer, but, uh, pretty light schedule and, and by design at this point, I think after 20 years, I deserve a little time to, uh, to reevaluate and, and figure out what I want to do. Um, but, uh, if you are a fan of my professional wrestling and, um, you're so inclined, you can go to brianmalonis.com and grab yourself a, a t-shirt, the t-shirt or brothersgador.com and grab yourself a Brian Malonis wrestling buddy. Other than that, stay tuned to my social media at Brian Malonis on Twitter at Brian Malonis KP on Instagram. Um, even at Brian Malonis on TikTok, believe it or not, been throwing up some TikToks here and there. Uh, so if you can give me a follow and, uh, you know, interact with me, I like to interact with people, you know, for the most part. Well, as always, I want to thank you for joining us. I want to thank everyone who joined us as well. Uh, I don't have to say, I hope you come back. I know you're coming back. We haven't picked a date yet, but part four of our Masters of the Universe series when Brian comes back, where we discuss the controversial Masters of the Universe revelation. I'm thinking maybe uh, the end of the summer. What do you think? Sure, sure. It sounds good. I mean, uh, it's funny to hear you say controversial, but I won't reveal what I think of it because, you know, but because that'll be a spoiler. But uh, I'll have a lot to say about Masters of the Universe revelation. <laughs> There'll be no no shortages of opinions. Like it or hate it, there there's no denying it. It caused uh, quite a stir on the internet when it came out. <laughs> so, and we're going to get into all of those details when Brian comes back, hopefully late summer. We like to space these out because number one, when we get to the end, then I don't know what we're going to talk about. And number two, you know, yeah, too much of a good thing, you know, uh, too much for the system, too fast, you know, no good. No, you don't want me overshadowing you either, you know. I'm just a a star, baby. I'm a star and take over wherever I go. So, R.O.H. legend. Yeah, if you're on too much, then no one's going to want to listen to me talk. (laughs) On that note, I want to thank Brian again for joining us. Thank you all for listening. And join us again next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. Excelsior!